I'm stuck in the chicken coop. Oh man. Entertaining for you. This is fantastic. Uh-huh. There's a latch there so that it doesn't lock on me. Hey, this is Jared. Hey friends, this is Annette, and this is our <laughs> Azure Farm podcast where we're gonna talk about all things farm, family, home, and all things in between. We hope you enjoy it. Oh, we're ready. <laughs> I didn't see your cue there, buddy. Cued up. Hello, family. How is everyone doing? I hope you are so good. We are here recording together as we usually are and gonna talk about a fun subject today, which Jared and I actually, oh man, there's so many stories I could tell. Having, I never knew I would have this certain thing somewhat in common with Jared, but I'll start off with saying, you know, it's really interesting how you learn so much about yourself and kind of the the role that you play in being like, um, I guess I could say a leader or someone that helps um, guide and others kind of look up to when you're in the role of caring for animals and being on a farm. Because in a way, I guess I'm a female, so that would be a shepherdess. I think it's kind of a cool word, but the whole concept of a shepherd, you know, a shepherd is one, you know, you hear that term a lot um, in the Bible or in, you know, the, t- the old term of old where, you know, shepherds would go out and have all these sheep or have all these animals and they would help herd them and take care of them and do all these things. And in modern day now, technically that is what you do when you have a lot of animals. That's who you are to them. You're supposed to care for them. You're supposed to... Um, guide them and do all the things. And, you know, sometimes I've thought, am I a good shepherdess to my flock, to my animals? Um, What could I be doing better? What am I doing wrong? You know, all these different things that um, normally I wouldn't have thought about when I wasn't responsible for, you know, all these different things under my care. Um, Before I moved out here, I, I was responsible for myself, really. I guess we had cats. I don't think that counts as a shepherd. <laughs> Some might laugh. That's just crazy cat lady. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when we came out here and now we had all these animals and did all these things, it's just interesting kind of this role you take on of where you're responsible for animals. They're under your well, you're under your watch care. And um, yeah, I mean, basically it ends up where you just do all, all in your power for them. And so um, if you, if you translate that into just a whole nother world, it's really interesting people refer to like um is it like shepherding the flock like when you refer to it in the church in like church type terms mm-hmm. where like the flock is the church members right yeah and then the, the shepherd would be the well hmm hold on <laughs> is the, she- the shepherd is god wait what no no hold on i'm just trying to do it where people like okay here we go you got a pastor that would be the analogy, right? I don't know the analogy, so to keep going, then I, I think can I got it confused. It. See, now I'm just going to really confuse people. All right, when you're a pastor, you're like a pastor to your flock, your members, right? Yeah, but but if you're using the real, you're a shepherd to the flock, right? That's kind of how the old term. That's why there are all those interchangeable things about shepherd to people, shepherd to sheep. Okay, so so you can explain it better. Well, here's what the bottom line is, everyone. Let me explain. Here we go. I am a pastor's kid. 
dun, dun, dun. If you didn't know this, I, yeah, my dad was a pastor for like 40, I don't even know, 45 years or something till he retired. And so I grew up as one of those PK kids. Um, and there's so many things that could come along with that. We'll talk about that more, but I think um, it's, but I think it's important if I could. Sure. That Annette's dad is like on another level of pastor. Like as he begins to pastor in Cuba, Castro literally throws him into a concentration camp. Yeah. And gives him the out. Just renounce all this foolishness and you can leave. And he's there for more than three years and thrown into pits and subjected to all types of torture. It's like, boy, you really want to see somebody stand for what they believe in. That's pretty awesome. So your dad is on a different level. Yeah, my dad's story is really cool. I don't think we've ever truly interviewed him. We need to do that. I don't know why we haven't. I think originally we had him do a couple stories about Cuba, but he's never really shared his story. Um, But yeah, so yes, I grew up, my dad being a pastor. um, My dad was a pastor in Cuba before he came to the United States. Then he was one here. And so, yeah, just so many stories and Amazing stories, really. But you grow up being a pastor's kid. There's all these different um, things, I guess, that people like stereotypes or whatnot. And I don't think I fit into a lot of them. But there is one thing I always told myself growing up that I did not want. And that is to marry a pastor. And I guess why is that? Um, I think it was because there was really nothing that was like necessarily bad or nothing. There wasn't like this bad experience that made me say that. I think it was just, maybe I knew the things that come along with it. And I just thought, I just don't want to marry a pastor. Don't want to marry a pastor. Okay, fine. Great. I met Jared. Jared was this business guy. Awesome. Not a pastor. This is good. This is going well for me. This is going well for her. Um, and then he did that for about, I don't know, 10 years. And then Jared, though, has always been very, um, I guess I could say you've always been someone that's really cared about other people and about their spiritual health, right? So I feel like you've always done things to help people, like physical, mental, and spiritual health. And so it's not like you were never like, involved in certain church things you just weren't a pastor right right well then like we moved to this tiny town here where we are in georgia and there's like this tiny little church near us and they didn't really have a pastor because you know these little churches sometimes in the country it's hard to get someone to be there full time and jared loves to like share and talk and preach. I guess you call it preaching, but it's more like teaching and sharing relevant things and how it kind of relates to your daily life and, and biblical like Bible stuff. And so someone was like, Hey Jared, maybe you could be our pastor. And I was thinking, Oh, this is hilarious. And that was on the front row with the foam finger. Like, yeah. Right. And, um, what do you know? Jared was like, yeah, maybe I could do that. And I was thinking like, Oh boy. Hold the phone. I did not sign up for this. I do not want to be a pastor's wife because that Mm -hmm. just sounds super weird. Um, But I think, you know, I, 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 I believe in God and I believe in um, all of us having just different 
different things happen in our life and, and you just kind of go with them and, and they teach us different lessons and different things. And so I think that was just God with a sense of humor to me, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. ha ha, here you go. And so, yeah, Jared started pastoring our church um, almost four years ago and that's been a whole adventure. And then um, do you want to tell him recently? I guess. As kinda, of yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. What happened yesterday? That season came to a close. Yeah. So for almost four years, yep. you've done it. Um, I think it's interesting because I think, I believe Jared and I have talked about this before in our podcast, because we obviously talk about all sorts of different topics here and not just like one thing. Um, but I think we both believe that there's a different like time and season for everything in our life and that you don't necessarily always have to do the same thing in each season. Um, there's times where maybe you're led to do one certain job for whatever reason. And then that time comes to an end and then you move and do something else. And I think, um, I don't know, you felt like, why did you feel like that was the right thing a few years back? You know, the muchachos in my family. <laughs> Is that? We could say my grandfather, mm-hmm. my dad, they didn't live long lives. So whether through sickness or sudden accidents, it's kind of given me a perspective of don't take life for granted. Don't just live the cookie cutter life. So, you know, a lot of people, dear friends of mine, they're, they are living for retirement. Mm. And... There's a lot of variables with that. There's assumptions that the funds in your bank account will be enough to retire on and live accordingly. There's a bigger assumption that your health will be there to enjoy all that. And so I think somehow in the last decade, I've kind of realized, eh, um, live for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> don't take don't take the future for granted. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm li- I'm I'm one who likes to live life. For now, not for the future. So, yeah, I would say... Did you feel like that was just your time? Like, the opportunity arose and it was like, well, why not? Yeah, well, I think that I probably say with everything everything in my life, that's how I live. Like, hey, this sounds like an opportunity. This sounds like fun. Hey, this sounds like a challenge. Like, there's not many... I can't even think of really anything. Like, you know, one day I'm going to do this. Like, if that thought comes into my brain, I'm doing it. <laughs> Like one day Which I'm, let me just tell you has been a dangerous thing sometimes married to Jared because the amount of ideas and things like that we banter back and forth and do and you know, but I tell you it's I think that's also been a really fun thing, you know, but both of us have not just done one thing, literally. We've we've yeah. done a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um and I think this pastor thing was really interesting because yeah, it's just a whole nother perspective on it's it's actually really hard. Don't you think you discovered that? Like you didn't realize how much goes into it, like how much respect for someone in that position and how much they have to do? Yeah, I think so. I would I would definitely say five years ago, I resented pastors. I just thought, you don't do a good job. You're lazy. You're irrelevant. You have no idea what, what people want to hear, listen to. I don't know what you're doing all day. <laughs> some questions that people ended up asking me what do you do all day I was like that's funny the irony <laughs> um, and yeah this helped me so you know a hundred years ago it was in the top three of people 
individuals in a community, people most respected. Pastor was usually in the top three. Pastor, mm. priest, rabbi, whatever. Mm-hmm. At least in North America, pastor is now like at the bottom of the list. Oh, It's one of the last people individuals in a community would trust or want to go to with something they needed advice on. Uh, I think that's that's kind of speaking to society, and we've just lost our compass. We've lost our bearings. Um, and I also think the Christian church is much to blame for that. Mm-hmm. Like It's become a, hip, a, a playground of hypocrisy. So there's not really many reasons people really have any reason to like or trust Christianity. Mm-hmm. I'll pick on Christianity. Like or trust it. It's it's abused every grace it had. So so yeah, for me, I'm like, I love challenges. So yeah, this sounds like a challenge. So yeah, I did it. Our church was a smaller country church, like the ones you pass by if you're driving around the south or you rarely Although it's see really in the north. Cute. I will say it's like super cute oh, on it's the amazing. outside. So it's not like it's well, not a like lot of country churches are cute, but yeah, I mean true. ours is Ours is pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Like, it's a little, it's kind of fancy for a little country church. Yeah, 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 sure. Just from the people that poured them their heart and soul into making it beautiful. Yeah. So, so yeah, we uh, only had 40, 50 people attending, and and the church grew. So, it, you know, I think, and, you know, then we had the whole COVID thing in the world, and we were kind of the outlaws for still having church. Mm-hmm. So, that kind of gave us reputation in the community, but we were like, you know what? This is the only normalcy people can have. Um, and I believed at the time, I'm like, people are taking a risk. Those people who go to church, the risk is, hey, they're not going to go to church. What's the risk of how life ends up if you're not engaged in a community of faith? That's one of the ideas I had in my mind. And the other was, well, you go to church and you take the, get the risk of getting sick. Mm-hmm. And our church said, hey, we're going to take a risk. Uh, but our church grew and People would come to me like sometimes crying, like this is the only normal thing left in the world. Everything else is crazy. And so anyway, we grew and and uh, ended up we're in the midst of building a new building and all these different things. But but yeah, it gave me a huge appreciation for pastors have a rough job. They have no nine to five. Mm-hmm. It's all like the you time. are on at all times, seven days a week. Honestly, that's one of the things I remember as a kid. I think that's why I didn't want to marry a pastor. Actually, I guess if I could pinpoint something, that's probably it. It's terrible. Yeah. I remember people would call my dad like legit, like two in the morning pastor. And it's like, are you for real? (laughs) Like what is going on? But Hey, like people need someone that they can call on or depend on. And like you said, like, you know, in the eighties, let's say growing up, pastors were still regarded super high. And I think people like needed someone. That's who they call. Like, yeah. So I would say a few things. So, of my particular faith persuasion Adventist. Um, so National Geographic and a few others did this research a few years ago of these five blue zones in the world, five places in the world where people live the longest. And then they really started to figure out why. Why are these people in these communities living to 100 more than anyone else in the world? And there was only one in North America. It was in Southern California, east of LA at a place called Loma Linda, which has been like this little haven of Adventists for over a hundred years. And they went in there and they just started to figure out like, why are there these people living longer? Uniquely about this group, it wasn't, you're the Sardinians, so it's in your DNA. It was black, white, Asian, Spanish. Like how are all these communities of people living to a hundred more than anyone else? And I'm sharing this part of the story because they found these Adventists live seven to 10 years longer than the average American, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Adventist pastors 
lives seven to 10 years less than oh, the average really? American. <laughs> wow. And I think there's some reasons for it. So one of those abuses in Christianity is the televangelist stereotype, which mm-hmm. is, well, pastors are just raking in the money and buying themselves these Gulfstream jets. <laughs> Sadly true. Yeah. But then you have a lot of pastors in other denominations who have a job and they pastor. Mm-hmm. Well, then the Adventist church is unique because every pastor gets paid the same. So if you have a 3,000 member church in New York City, mm-hmm. or you have a 50 member church in Bumpkinville, Alabama, you get paid the same. Mm-hmm. You know, cost of living, they make cost of living adjustments, sure. but it's the same salary. And, and they try and do that around the world. So it's a little unique in that people pay tithe to local church. It doesn't stay there. It literally gets shared in some shape, form, or fashion evenly around the world so that the people in India have a pastor just like the people in New York City. But I think that also, you know, just assessing the situation, it's like, I'm not sure that the way that's set up allows people to sustain a life and and, like um, it's a hard like life. Meaning it's a hard financially, life. Like, you're not making you're not like, making enough money. I do remember, to, yeah. growing up, my parents like my dad. I mean, it was. I mean, money was tight. Well, I mean, that's a nice way to say it. I would. Yeah. I would describe Annette grew up poor. It, yeah, but I you mean, wouldn't. I, I don't think I anyone think would that. ever think that. No, you I, would never think that. But I, like, I didn't think based that, on what but, I know about the financial ways sure. now. Like, your mom was a stay at home mom. Your dad was right. a pastor. And it's like, I think literally, I believe. It blows below the poverty line of statistical of now, American probably, yeah. poverty. Yeah, I mean, so it's just yeah. like there's some things where I believe that that system. So knocking the Adventist system a little bit, it's a very broken system. Yeah, and, it's and wild. How how people are compensated and levels of management and very broken there. But but hey, nothing like a case study. So yeah, <laughs> it helped me appreciate um, people's issues. Everybody's got problems. People think they've got problems and other people don't. Yeah, I think that is one thing. I th- if there's one thing you should know is you are not alone. You are not the only one going through something. And I think sometimes people do assume that, right? Like, oh, oh everybody does. Their family's perfect. Because, you know, you show up at church every week and you look your best, you act your best. It's just what we do, I think. And you don't know a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. And when you do know, I mean, it's, it's pretty sad. I mean, you know, we, we all have issues. We're all have, you know, just so many things. So I think it's one of those things like just always be kind to someone. You just don't know what's going on. Like reach out to someone, you know, truly ask them what, how are you? Um, Cause you don't know. So if you want to know why Annette is such a good shepherdess to all her animals, she learned from her amazing dad <laughs> how to care for people. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, my parents, I mean, it was constantly like, you know, marriage counseling or grief counseling or... Oh, yeah, you're asked um, to be an expert at everything. Well, and that is one thing like wild. Like, you know, if you think about Jared, like Jared's like business entrepreneur, like does all these things and now... And, but a great public speaker and, I, and, and a great at um, just putting together... I mean, you have to put together like a message every week, which actually is a lot if you think about it. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot to, to, to speak to an audience and have them cap, cap, captivated or captive for 30 to 45 I, I minutes. Say care. To care about what you're saying. Well, but so on side note, it's just really 
hilarious how then all of a sudden you're supposed to be an expert on how to handle everyone's like problems. So That's many, no yeah, joke. So like you're not prepared for that. Like, like nobody trained you for that. So it's like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> well, and I think about some of these 21 year old kids coming out of college ready to go pastor. I'm yeah. Like, oh man, this is like, so difficult. Ooh, no, no. No, so no, difficult. no. Like just stuff you would never think like people go through or that. And so, yeah, it's, it, it makes you appreciate the good things more and truly makes you have like a heart for people. Like there's people truly like hurting. And I think it's important to, to realize that and be, be aware of that. Yeah. I, so I have a, I have a new appreciation for pastors it's a very hard job. I believe now that pastoring should be a bivocational thing. Meaning mean I think that? it's detrimental to have a have a person's job be full-time shepherding people. I think it's dangerous. Well, just on your mental health, I think. Yeah, I just well, I don't I mean for me that was an issue. Like I'm not I'm actually no, trying yeah. to speak objectively, not mm-hmm. like I was in it. So yeah, it's yeah, now yeah. one day outside of this scope. Sure, sure. If I was looking at pastor, I'd be like you need a nine to five. You need a role in the church where you can minister to people. But this idea of one person doing all the spiritual duties of a church, when in the ancient world, it was a group of individuals, elders or bishops or whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it, that were sharing these responsibilities. I just don't think, I don't think it's uh, healthy probably Mm -hmm. for one person to have a lot of those. And I mean, it's been great at our little church. Like I think those responsibilities have been delegated pretty good. Yeah. So and we everyone got a, we got was a pretty helpful. active group, but I, but I'm recognizing that wasn't the case. Isn't the case in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Pastors looked at, well, you get paid. You should do everything. Right. You're the one who gets paid. You should go do Bible studies. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, thankfully that wasn't my, yeah, but I know this is real life for a lot of guys. And I'm just like, man, my heart goes out to you. I mean, I, probably the most, awful thing I've told anyone in the last year is I don't think I could ever recommend anyone to do full-time pastoring. Yeah. And that's sad. And by huh? that, I mean this unbalanced way to go about it. It's, it's just unsustainable in the 21st century. When, when, as I look at the new Testament model, I believe it was pastors were raising up groups of people who could manage themselves at different churches. And well, if you look at it like a, like a business, I guess. A lot of times we don't, I think. But you don't have like one person doing everything. You have different, you know, someone has a manager and the manager does these things and then they, you know, delegate to this person and they do other things. And I think we probably don't do that enough. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not just the one, right? <laughs> That's right. So, so to anyone out there, if you know someone who's a pastor or maybe in your childhood, you knew someone... I would encourage you reach out to them and just let them know how much you appreciate them. If they've done good things or if they haven't, tell them you are praying for them. <laughs> well, if that's sincere. If it's sincere or you just use the old <laughs> Southern curse, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Or if they were terrible, maybe it's because of some of these reasons we were expressing. Maybe they just had too much going on and didn't know what to do. That's <laughs> what possible What to do too. with it all. That's possible Pray too. for them. Be oh, their friend. Oh, wow. Well, okay. So... So what's your what's your thought now going forward? Not be, what's your what's your takeaway now as you do something different? Maybe 
Uh, my takeaway now is I believe all of us are happiest when we are doing something that blesses the lives of other people. And so my particular passion is uh, painting a picture of what I would call truth and using stories to just teach us lessons. So for me, there's a lot of good Bible stories that just teach amazing lessons about messed up people can be used by God to do amazing things. So if we've messed up, well, there's still great opportunities for us. So so yeah, I'm hoping I can and really find ways to show people a, a different side of what they think is religion. Because I personally think the greatest threat to America are Christians. The greatest opportunity that could bless America are Christians. Well, that's a two-sided coin. <laughs> we will see how that plays out yeah. in the moment in which we live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so I am officially no longer a pastor's wife. Nope. This is my heathen so, wife, Jezebel. So <laughs> and if you follow our daughter around, she's a little Palestinian. And, um, not Palestinian. No, what is the word what? I'm looking for? Philistine. Oh, my word. Not Palestinian. Not they're, Palestinian. They're amazing people. Speaking of which, I got some interesting... So I like to talk about provocative topics. And boy, when I started to refer to Jesus as a Palestinian, you would have thought people are losing their mind. I know it's like because it you? was the land of Palestine, and uh, boy, that's it's interesting. You want to start a fight? Just talk about quote stuff from the Bible to Christians, and you're going to start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. I'm joking about Ava. That was a that was a Bible joke. Yeah. Anybody out there gets that? Yeah, anyway, she likes to make. Make us laugh. Yeah. So. And if you didn't know, I mean, we don't usually get super religious on any of this, but if you didn't know, I mean, this has been a huge part of our life. Jared had, you know, been a pastor almost for the last four years. So it's something that's been a big part of our lives. And I think it's taught us both a lot. And so now we're excited to see what the next step is and, you know, in that kind of, in that sort of world. But um, yeah, we, we shall see. But <laughs> yeah, uh, no longer pastor's wife. I'm okay with that, but I also learned to be okay with being a pastor's wife. So, hey, it's, it is all good. I, I am supportive whatever you want to do, honey. I like I, that. I Here am, we go. What's next? I am supportive. <laughs> On to the next adventure. I'll, I'll let y'all know if, I'll let y'all know once the next adventure rolls around what I think. But, but yeah, uh, being a pastor's kid taught me a lot of, a lot of things and I'm, and I'm grateful for it. And I feel like it honestly taught me. Um, a lot about dealing with people and just being able to relate to people and different things. So I am grateful for all of it. And, you know, sometimes in life, certain moments and things don't seem like the best, but later on you look back and you're like, okay, that's, that's why that happened or that's what that taught me. So, Oh, this is a great learning experience. I mean, I really, yeah, that's, that's so where we're at. So we both have learned a lot moving on to something else. Um, but yes, I will continue the shepherding of the animal flock. Go get them, girl. I am good with that. So that will continue. So thank you for listening to uh, this sharing of our experiences on this topic. And we will be back next time with more. <laughs> <laughs>